This is the Yoga Off the Mat podcast, a space you can learn how to deepen your connection with yourself, to live a fulfilled, passionate, and authentic life using the lessons from the mat. I'm your guide, host, and teacher, Amber Hagberg, and I'm here to inspire you to take time for yourself so that you can embody the practice of yoga and live your yoga on and off the mat. You're listening to Yoga Off The Mat podcast with Amber Hagberg, episode number 33. And we're going on a journey with women, coaches, mentors, and leaders around the world while Amber, here me, prepares for maternity leave. Today's special guest is Carly Crew. She is a mother of two beautiful twins and currently living with her stay-at-home husband in Mexico. I can't wait to share with you her journey through motherhood, stress, and all of her magic in the science behind the way we operate. Enjoy! I am excited because today I have Carly Crew here. She is a member of the mastermind that I am a part of, and I was interviewed on her podcast, Mind Over Motherhood. I could read her bio and introduce her, but she's here, so I'll let her do that. Oh, Amber, I'm so excited to be on this podcast and to be having another amazing conversation with you because I remember from the episode on my podcast, how much magic it was and how much value there was and how much good feedback I heard from my community that I know this is going to be just so fun and juicy. So I'm uh, Carly Crew. I'm a physician who specializes in women's mental health, and I'm also a leadership and empowerment coach for women. And my bio is super long, but I'll just give you a few of the highlights. So I'm a mom to twin girls. They're five and they're pure fire. Um, I'm married to an amazing man who's a stay-at-home dad and who helps me homeschool my kids and keep my sanity. And we are modern day nomads, kind of like Amber. I mean, you don't move around, but you're just living in a different place. And we move around a lot. So our primary residence, if you could call it, is a 32-foot motorhome. And it's currently in Canada and we are currently in Mexico past three months and we'll wait for the next three months. And I do a whole lot of things in my online business. I run a women's mental health clinic out of Alberta, Canada, where I lead a team of 10 female doctors helping women with their mental health virtually. And I also am the leader of the Brave Her community, which is a brand new women's empowerment movement that I just birthed this month and celebrated with my community. And it, under that kind of banner, we're changing the world with different leadership programs and sisterhood and being in community and choosing ourselves and being brave. And so that's kind of like the Cole's notes of who I am and what I do. Oh my gosh, I just got so many goosebumps off the work that you're doing and and the residents that, you know, uh, those that have been listening to my podcast know for a while, like choose yourself first, prioritize yourself, mental health. And, you know, what we talked about on your podcast, just being nomads, choosing a different way and how that's not easy. So I'm excited to to dive in and, and see what you can share with us today. I would love to love to start with what got you into what you're doing? Like, how did you get here? 
Hmm, it's a really good question. I think that all of us start our work in the world, like when we really choose to follow our soul's mission or like, you know, create our life's work, it always comes from something we've experienced, I think, right? Those are the people that have the most passion about something is when they've experienced it or witnessed it or been a part of it in their own lives. And so my passion for women's mental health specifically followed from my own experience with very significant postpartum mood disorder. Now I've always been fascinated with the brain. In fact, when I applied to medical school, my backup plan had been to go and become a counseling therapist. Um, And luckily I was accepted to medical school and didn't have to do that. But now fast forward six years, I'm an MD psychotherapist. And so I predominantly work with women's mental health and do therapy with them. Um, so I've always been passionate about the brain and mental health, but my, my real passion came out after my own experience. So I gave birth to my twins in 2016 and I say that I've always been an anxious person, but you know, within months of their birth, I became literally a shell of who I was. I had worry, unrelenting, irrational thoughts. I was struggled with a lot of postpartum rage. I often share that like you know, my baby monitor was broken. There was a big, huge crack in the back because I had thrown it at the wall so many times in this fits of like uncontrollable rage. And, um, it took a long time, even as a doctor who did mental health work and who specializes in the brain, it took me a long time to finally realize what was going on. And that my experience was not just quote unquote, normal motherhood, which is what I was convincing myself. It was, I was like, Oh, this is just really what motherhood is. I'm just struggling to hack it. Like, I just am not good at it. And that would just send me into another spiral. So it took me a good I would say close to six months, maybe even bordering on nine months before I realized, holy smokes, this is the full throes of a postpartum mood disorder. And from that realization came so much growth, right? I think that so many of the, your listeners, and I think even you, Amber, can probably resonate with the ideas that like from the ashes, we rise, right? And from the pain places, we learn so much and can be really pivotal, pivotal moments in our lives where we change and we get these awakenings of like, oh my God. And that was really what this realization was for me. It was like, I'm living one life. Like this is where I need to take radical responsibility and really take ownership of my mental health and do it in a way that fits in my life and that like gives my kids back their mom right because that's what they deserved so it was a really big moment for me and I started to I say kind of like crawl my way back to myself and that looked like you know finding a therapist and that took a couple tries because finding a hard. It took finding, you know, um, some new self-care strategies and learning how to love myself again and put myself first and choose myself, which is one of the biggest challenges of moms, especially is because all of a sudden we give birth to these beautiful things that we love more than we ever dreamt we could. And we're supposed to put ourselves first. Like it feels so hard when you're in the throes of it. So I had to learn how to do that. I had to also learn how to set some really important boundaries in my life because I had shrunk to someone who kind of just put up with everything and would do what everyone wanted and would constantly abandon myself when my inner voice was saying I needed to do something or I knew how to take care of my babies and somebody else would tell me something different. I would believe them because I just didn't believe in myself. And eventually I ended up, like I said, going to therapy. I actually started on medications and within mm, two to three months of really diligent, hard work, I started to feel like myself again. I was like, oh my God, here I am. 
wow, that was a vortex that I'm now looking back at and realizing how severe it was. And when I came out of that, it came with this passion of like, I need to help other women. Like I need, I understand the brain so much now. I understand what it takes to climb out of these dark places. And really, like I said, take radical responsibility for your life. And I need to lead others through that. So that's my personal story of where I got so passionate about this work. And then it's been a meandering, you know, as entrepreneurship is a meandering journey of like, maybe I express it in this way, maybe I express it in that way. And really over the last year, my mission has been really crystallized in a lot of different facets. Um, and it, and I show up, like I said, in all those ways to help women basically, you know, work on their mental health in a way that feels good, have access to the supports, the information and the resources they need to build a foundation so they can build the rest of their life. Right. I really believe that, you know, self care and mental health is the foundation. We can't do anything else in our life. If we don't feel good, (laughs) like it's like full stop. There's not really like a debate about it. If your mental health is crap, you won't be able to do everything you want to do in your life in a big way. And so we must start there and then we can grow. So that's kind of, again, the long and short of of how I got to where I am. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like that's incredible because for someone that has really been on the journey, been in it, um, I can understand how mind over motherhood got birthed and, and to hear, you know, the journey you went on and the, the struggles you went through and then to crawl yourself out. And now the mission is clear for you. You know what it's like to be there and you also know how to get out of it and to be able to hold space for women like that is powerful. And I'm hearing you in so many ways, because as someone that's been coaching my moms since COVID began on how to prioritize themselves over having children. I'm now, you know, eight and a half months pregnant, soon to have to eat my own words. I don't know how that became who I was working with. It just is what happened. And so I can relate to you on so, so many ways on, on the struggle it is to put yourself first. And what are some ways or tips and tricks, you know, for those that are listening that you started to put yourself first when that can be so hard, when you do love these humans so much and you want to give them the world, like, where do you draw the boundary and what are some tips and tools that you've used that are successful? Mm, I love this question. I think most of my work, I do teach a lot of like tools and strategies, but one of the things I think that's the most transformational about the way I work with women is actually introducing mindset shifts that just change the situation entirely. Right. So many women who struggle to put themselves first as mothers have a me versus them kind of mindset, right? Like it's, I, they either get me or I get me and it can't be both. And as you can expect, that mindset really creates like struggle. It creates an imbalance. It's like, uh, and we instantly feel guilt when we're choosing us. (laughs) And that just sets us up for failure because when we don't feel good about what we're doing or we feel guilty about what we're doing, we won't keep doing it because it doesn't feel good. Right. And so one of the things I would encourage any woman who struggles with this to shift into this idea of it's not a me versus them. It's actually like, I do this for me for them right? Because I think most moms can attest to the fact and even new moms, right? Even think about yourself, like you're growing a beautiful human right now. Like, how do you feel like you're doing your job best is when you're nourishing your own body, when you're taking time for yourself, when you're doing things that make you happy, you're like, oh, I'm 
birthing and growing a beautiful, healthy human. And when that baby comes out, it's the same. It's like, how do we show up to be our most patient, loving, compassionate, wise, calm, present mothers? Mm, We have to nourish ourselves first. We have to take care of ourselves first. So that mindset was big. And I mean, it's simple, but that shift in itself made a huge difference for me. When I started to see, like I had the evidence that on the days I took care of myself and I did yoga and I meditated, like the tantrums weren't as hard to handle. And I was more patient and I was a mom that I loved more. I was a better mom to them. They got a better experience. They had a better life that day, right? And then when I <laughs> abandoned myself or I didn't do something, well, then mom's short-tempered and she doesn't want to do anything and she feels overwhelmed constantly. And it's like, I started to see this evidence of like, okay, when I do X, I get Y. And when I don't do X, I get not Y. Like it's very clear, right? Like you started to build, I started to build the pattern. And so that in itself helped me make that shift. And that shift helped me make that behavior change, right? It's kind of like a chicken and egg situation where you're like, I have to make the mindset shift so that I'll show up to do that. And of course there's all the practicalities in our lives as moms is that we just have so much to do, right? It feels like there's so much to do when you're a mom, depending on where your listeners are listening from, right? Like maybe they're business owners, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're, they have their own job and they work outside the home and they have kids, or maybe they're homeschooling because it's COVID and no one knows what's happening with education anymore, you know? And so there's a lot of demands on our time. And again, one of the shifts that I had to make for my own mindset is realizing that like everything in my day was way easier when I put myself first in the morning. And I'm an advocate for a morning routine, but not like a rigid 5:30 wake up, do it every single day, sort of perfectionistic approach. But it's like, how are you prioritizing your mental health to set your day up for success? There's this book, I think it's Gary Allen or something. I'll have to find out what the exact, but it's called the one thing. And if you just look up the one thing, you'll be able to find the author, but he talks about in that book, what's the one thing you can do every day that will make everything else that you do that day easier. (laughs) And I firmly believe (laughs) for moms, it's like taking time for yourself. It's taking care of yourself. It's prioritizing yourself first. Um, and working through any of that, like, you know, the guilt and all that is, is that comes with it. And, And there's lots of strategies for navigating that too, but two kind of mindset shifts, I guess, would be what I would share in response to your question. Yeah. And I love that mindset shift. Like I'm doing this for me, for them. And it's so true because our day is different. We treat them differently. We feel differently. Our energy is differently. So our like, take care of myself first, isn't about like doing less for them. It's actually about doing more for them. So I really love that, um, mindset shift. And I think it's really helpful to, you know, put yourself into the position of like, what is that one thing that's going to change? And it is, you know, reducing stress, connecting to the body, feeling your emotions so that you can show up more fully. And that's something that like, I want to like take the conversation now into like, you mentioned like mental health being the foundation of everything that we do in our life. And I think it's, you know, obvious that you're going to give us mindset shifts because when we build this healthy relationship with our mind, we have this solid foundation in our life because the mind is with us all day long. Like, can you elaborate more on how mental health is such a huge pillar in like our everyday life? I mean, our mind is so involved, like you said, in so many parts of our life. And what I know through working with hundreds of women, and I'm sure your listeners will attest to this is like, when you're say, let's say you're in a bad mood, 
or you're just in a low vibe, like week, like you're like, oh, I'm really in a crappy mood. I just don't feel my best. I'm feeling anxious. I have a lot of irrational thoughts or I'm not sleeping well. And I, you know, am really feeling tired. Like we're in that kind of like low energy state. Like how does everything else look in your life? It usually looks pretty gloomy, right? It can be really hard to find good things and like things to be grateful for and like oh this is working out and oh that looks so like when we're in that place right and so I speak to that and I call it the the mood helmet it's like you put a helmet on and all of a sudden you can only see the things that are going to reinforce your current mood in fact our brain is designed to do that for a lot of ways that I won't bore you with for neuroscience, but like our, our brain is actually designed to reinforce our current state. So where mental health is so important is like when we can be very active and intentional about cultivating healthy moods, right? Like not saying bad moods are bad and we have to eliminate them always, but we don't want to stay in that state all the time. We can't live in depression. We can't live in anxiety forever because we won't be able to see anything good. Right. And this, it will just worsen anything that we're trying to do. So like what I experience for a lot of my clients is that they'll work on their mental health. And then we always jokingly quote that, like they're graduating from therapy because although our mental health is an ongoing process that we're constantly managing with intention and learning skills and doing the deep inner work, like you absolutely can get to a place in your mental health where you're like, wow, I have so much deep understanding and knowing about how my brain works and how I respond to things and some of my past conditioning that I don't feel so prisoner to it anymore. I actually feel liberated from the mental health struggles of, like I said, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, whatever. And when you're in that place, it's like, it clears the slate. You're like, I don't have to devote so much energy to keeping my brain like under control. I don't have to devote so much energy to battling my anxious thoughts. I don't have to devote so much energy to all these things that now where can I put my energy? Right. And this is often what I see, like literally all the time, women will be like, okay, so now I've worked on all this stuff and I feel really good. And I've been feeling good for the last couple of months. And now this idea that I've had for starting a business or creating a blog or writing a book or starting a podcast or like changing jobs or like these new world changing ideas start to come to them because they now have the bandwidth for it. Right. If your mental health is taking up like 95% of your bandwidth in your brain all the time, you don't have any room to do amazing things in your life. So we really have to work and be intentional about making our mental health good and solid so that we have more room to do amazing other things in our lives, right? So that's a bit of like, a, like again, a little bit of a meandering answer to your question, but I think that uh, we need our mental health to do anything else because if you don't feel good and you're constantly anxious, you're constantly depressed, like you literally can't, you won't really do a whole lot else very well. Yeah. And my takeaway really from that was what happens when we take care of our mental health. We're not worrying, we're not stressed, we're not in these doubts. Like, yes, those things come up and they can rise, but they're not consuming us. So we have more creativity. We have more inspiration. We have more joy and light for our lives so that we can really enjoy it. And something that that came up also while you were speaking is like taking care of our mental health. Like, how do you coach and guide your women to take care of their mental health? Like, what are some things that you do personally? And what are things you share with your clients? Mm. 
So it depends on which ways I'm working with women. So in therapy specifically, um, in my virtual clinic, I have an approach, I call it the Unoya approach. And it's a really comprehensive model to put mental health, which is a really big thing, into some digestible chunks, right? So when you're looking at tackling your mental health, which is a big thing to do, it's much easier to be like, okay, so let's focus on one area of your life. And I usually start with like the biological pillar. So the Unoya approach has three pillars. Um, And in fact, I expand on these a lot in my book. It's called You Are Not Your Anxiety. And so um, in the Unoya approach, there's three pillars. One is biology, one is psychology, and the other one is social. And so I'll kind of walk through some of these different things. Um, And in fact, I teach on this in my membership program as well. So um, the biological pillar looks at things like, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? How are you feeling your body? Um, You know, what exercise or movement do you do regularly? Um, Your biochemical baseline or what I call it, right? Any kind of substances, chemicals, caffeine, cannabis, medications, any of that sort of stuff and how that is interacting in your mental health is taking a really good lens at everything related to your biological body and seeing how it can impact your mental health and making optimizations in that area, right? So that's a really nice place for a lot of people to start when they work on their mental health. They're like, okay, let's just look at prioritizing sleep because sleep can make a huge difference in your mental health. Or let's look at making sure you're feeling fueled so that you're not like hitting hunger strikes and then spiraling into self-shame. You know, like those sorts of like more simple kind of changes that are really accessible for a lot of people to do. And then once I start, once we kind of get the bio sorted out, we then move into kind of like the psychological aspects of mental health. This examines things like what are your psychological mental health practices? So things like learning mindfulness skills, learning meditation, so we can actually get this objective perspective from our thoughts rather than being in them all the time, right? Like that's one of the most critical pieces of mental health is that if you're able to discern between like your thoughts and reality, right? And really be skeptical about most of the thoughts that come into your mind and say, "Mm, that's probably not true. That might be more anxiety, right? Like that's really critical. So we talk about like mindfulness skills, meditation skills, but then we also dive into a lot of the cognitive patterning that we've picked up throughout our childhood, adolescence and even adulthood, looking at patterns like, how did you learn how to be a perfectionist? How did you learn how to get love as a child? And what has that created in your behavior, right? So people pleasing or, you know, emotional boundary setting. Have you learned to be kind of a doormat for everyone? Have you learned to keep everybody happy because no one's allowed to be disappointed? And that's kind of like the psychological part. So we look at what are cognitive distortions in your brain that you have? And then the third pillar, we're inherently social beings. So we cannot examine women's mental health without looking at the relationships in their life and how healthy they are. So again, this is kind of speaking to things like, how do you show up? How do you assert yourself? How do you set boundaries? How do you make sure you're only taking on what's yours to own and no one's emotional baggage? Um, And then making changes in that area of your life as well. So this might look like learning assertiveness skills, setting some boundaries in toxic relationships, right? Admitting that toxic relationships are not healthy for you. So when we say like, how do we tackle mental health? It's such a big question, obviously, but these are the big three places. And of course, in psychology, that also, I, I, you know, move into things like spirituality and, you know, finding meaning and purpose. Like there's a lot under all of these umbrellas just for this, for the fact of trying to simplify such a big topic. This is how I kind of organize it for my clients. So that's like therapy clients. And that um, is a big part of what I do. Did that answer your question? <laughs> That's a long description. 
it did and it gave me so many more questions but I think it's a really good uh way that we can look at our mental health and in the direction that I kind of want I could go in so many directions but just because this is something that's a huge part of both of our work and something that you hit on is the the power of mental health and having women in community like what does that mean to you and how do you see this having an impact positive or negative impact if we have community or if we don't have community other women who get us oh my god I'm so happy you asked this I when you asked it I had myself muted and I was going like I was so excited (laughs) to answer this question because um you know what Amber I think that there are people on either side of this quote-unquote debate if there was one right um and I can share perspectives on both sides so I'm a huge pro community person for so many reasons when it comes to women's wellness, mental health, empowerment. And one of the unique lenses I believe I have, and that practitioners who work one-on-one with clients would have is this unique perspective of seeing in women's brains, like a lot of women, right? Like, so you've worked with many women. I've worked with like hundreds of women and I've been given this beautiful access to their inner workings of their mind and how they think and all the patterns that they have. Right. And I get that beautiful access. And so when I have crazy thoughts in my brain, quote unquote, crazy, I'm like, oh, see, I'm not that crazy though. Cause I've known that client who's had that. I know that person who's had this thought. Like these are common distorted thoughts. Like this is not something I need to worry about. But the trouble is that other women don't have that same insight, right? So when I started to create my mental health membership program, I was like, how do I give women the opportunity and the space to share what they're experiencing so that other women are like, oh my God, you feel like that too? Perfect. Okay. Now I understand. How did you work through it? Right? Like that beautiful collective sharing and collective wisdom and connection between like women saying, Hey, I've been where you are. You're not alone. I've totally felt like that after I had my baby. I totally felt like that when I, you know, had to set a boundary with my toxic person in my life. Right? Like just having that, that sharing in community and a mental health space is so, so powerful and so healing. So that's partly why I create communities and why I love creating communities so that we can have this vulnerable sharing. However, on the flip side, I'm saying there was kind of two sides of this coin. On the flip side, women themselves have sometime expe- sometimes experienced really negative impacts of being in communities. And I experienced this even myself. I remember when I was going mental health stuff back in 2016. And I was desperate to find connection and community, women who could understand and who could support me. And I waded into the terrifying world of Facebook groups. And I was like, oh, this one seems pretty good. And then I would dive in and be like, oh my God, this is making me feel worse, right? People were just not in a positive place. Like really were not taking that active agency approach to their mental health, more sitting in like victimhood and complaining and not whining, but venting and like not really having anything productive or future focused to say. And I found it really detrimental. I found it really damaging to my own mental health at the time. And so I remember craving so desperately a really positive community where women were like moving forward. Like, yeah, they had things and they were accepting it and claiming their own stuff and taking radical responsibility and like wanting to move forward in support with other women and community and feel empowered. Right. We're just like these future focused people. So I think when it comes to community, a lot of women have that kind of like, Ooh, I don't want to be in community because there's so much mental health stigma. Right. I don't want to talk about all my anxious thoughts with all these different people. And that's a fair place (laughs) to feel 
And I would invite you to even consider, right? Like what could being in a community with like-minded women do for you? How could that change your perspective, right? Like what would it mean in your journey if you could say, I feel like this is a crazy thought and how dare I think this? And then some other woman's like, oh my God, I've totally felt like that before. This is, you know, you're not crazy. Like that's really healing. So it is really powerful. And obviously you and I can speak leagues on how powerful like a mastermind community is like the one we're in, right. And how cathartic and how helpful it is to feel like you have a place to plug in, to bring you back to who you are, to remind you of what's most important to you. And I think that's just the power of women in community and sisterhood. Yeah. And I I couldn't agree more at first. Like I almost forgot when you're like, oh, there's two sides of this. And I was like, oh, I'm excited to see where Carly's going to go. Like, what do you mean? Um, But now I remember like growing up, it was not fun to be around girls. I had all guy friends because it was so triggering and it was so much competition. And then growing old, growing older into yoga communities and now masterminding coaching programs and actually seeing that like we can support each other and hold each other up and, and show each other what's possible. And, and when we get onto a group call or we get into a group retreat and we see that like those self-limiting beliefs or self-sabotaging punishment, like behavior, perfectionism, that we're not alone in that. We also get to see like, it's not like a me thing. I'm less than thing. It's something that we all experience and it's actually a human thing. So it's, it's so relatable for us to be like, when we're really down to have sisterhood, to be like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way when I'm down or when we're really high and celebrating, you know, the success of our business or getting married or having children, whatever it may be, someone to be like, heck yeah, you are. And they're not there competing with us. So I love that you brought both sides, especially for women like even you and I who have been triggered to now see that to heal the sisterhood wound is so possible. And that's something that I've really been working on in my yoga retreats and in my coaching calls as well is like to heal that sisterhood wound. Oh my God. I was, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's, <clears throat> was my experience even like growing up as well, right. In, adoles- in adolescence and, you know, high school and that sort of thing, like groups of girls. I actually wrote this in my book. Like there is no fiercer pack of wild animals than a group of like adolescent girls, like holy. (laughs) And unfortunately, so many of us have those experiences where we were like bullied or shamed or criticized or whatever, or treated badly. And it has caused such a deep wound in us. This is why I think like what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we're experiencing, what the world we're trying to create is this world where women feel safe again in sisterhood, where it's collaboration, not competition, right? There's no backstabbing, but you know, I won't go into this too much, but like, I feel like really the work that we're doing is undoing just so much patriarchal conditioning because when women come together, they're powerful, right? And the patriarchy, I believe, is trying to eliminate powerful women, right? They're trying to suppress powerful women. And so, of course, there's all sorts of conditioning that tells us that we shouldn't be good to each other, that we should be, there's not enough for all of us. Like, we have to fight and we don't. It's such nonsense, right? Like, when we are so much stronger together, and that's actually a big piece of my Brave Her community is like, we're Brave Her together, right? Like we get to be together and it's safe here. And we can, like you said, heal this sisterhood wound. And it's just a big, amazing thing that, um, that I think that we can all work on more together. 
Exactly. And finding the right community and right sister to, to help you heal that wound and, and change your experience with it. And I think, you know, growing up when, you know, women are going into puberty and we're in high school and in these like younger stages, I think we, it's normal that we all experience that. And then when we like grow up and we become adults, we get to experience like, wow, sisterhood is powerful, especially like if we could go back to like when women like hung out in the red tent and they like nurtured each other during this time of bleeding and honoring the divine feminine, which has gone away in our society and in our lifetime to be like a masculine driven world. So of course, like these women not knowing how to be women in the world now are more comp more competition and more competing with each other because it's the masculine world. And now we're, we're taking it, we're claiming it back. <laughs> totally. Totally. I a hundred percent agree. You said it much more eloquently than I could, <laughs> but I agree totally is that we have to take it back. We have to rewrite, you know, the narrative and the idea around what being in sisterhood means for us. And we only can do that by being brave and jumping into sisterhood, right. And being in community and like <laughs> challenging those beliefs of like, Oh no, I don't think this is a safe space. The only way we break those beliefs is by putting ourselves in a new experience that help us break that belief. So super powerful. I think everything that you're creating, um, you know, with retreats and groups and that really all of us in the online, you know, not all of us, many of us in the women's kind of empowerment space are doing is just seeing this beautiful value of community and building it into so much of what we create. So it's amazing. Yeah, I love what you just said. When we've been triggered, right, it's hard to put ourselves back into a situation to redo that experience because that experience can keep us wounded. And then it's like, I'm not doing that again. And so it's like what you just said, like that's scary, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to try it again. Like someone that's been cheated on or someone that like lost their husband, they have to do it again. And, and, and trust that there can be and will be another experience. And so I love that you brought that up. Well, I, yeah, it's, can I just, sorry, Avery, I just wanted to add one please. thing because I just, what you just highlighted actually underlines this, like why I believe mental health is such a foundation because like there's actually a neurological basis to what you just explained, right? Why, when we get wounded, why we have fear, right? Like there's a literal neurological basis to this practice. And this is why I think understanding your mental health is so valuable because when you understand that, like you have a part of your brain that's designed to do this to prevent you from having pain again, right? You can learn strategies to relearn, to have that part of your brain relearn. Mm -hmm. So the amygdala, the limbic system in your brain is designed to avoid painful past conditioning. And I think about it like a sticky note. It's like a sticky note machine. And this is not my concept. This came from um, a book that I read called Rewire Your Anxious Brain, which is amazing. But I often joke that the amygdala is like a sticky note machine. And what it's doing is it's looking at past experiences and it's labeling them with a sticky note of how I'm supposed to feel about that experience, right? So if you experienced like a sisterhood when you were bullied in high school, whatever, your amygdala has literally been like, okay, fear goes on that experience, being involved with women, fear goes there. That's how we feel when we experience that again. Okay. And this underlies why so many of us have these avoidance tendencies is because then once our nerve has labeled it with like, that is bad. We're again, we have a lot of conditioning to keep us avoiding that thing. This is why it's really brave to step into community because what we do is we 
take, we, we challenge our amygdala, right? We challenge our limbic system and we say like, no, 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 I actually, my smart thinking cortex believes that this is a good idea. And we have to put ourselves into that experience again and experience new emotions so that our amygdala can put a new sticky note on it. Right. And that's like a very simplified version of neuroscience, but that's, what's happening when we do that. It's the basis of like exposure therapy, really in, in true, like therapy, like talk therapy, when we do exposure therapies for like, um, you know, phobias or PTSD, that's, what's happening. We're just putting our learning limbic system back into a place that it's learned and choosing to switch out the sticky note. So I just wanted to share that because that's where I say, like having that understanding and being like, Oh, that's how that works. Like, perfect. It just takes away like the, why do I have this fear? Well, it's like, it's because your brain's designed to do that. <laughs> it just takes kind of away the stigma and it makes it really an objective process. Like you can put yourself back into sisterhood. You can put yourself back into community. It's just a matter of being intentional about it and learning a new, you know, having a new experience, a new positive emotional experience about that. And then your amygdala will relearn and it won't be so triggering to you anymore. Oh, I'm just so glad you brought up the science part because there's so many that like, so many women that need the science behind the proof, the evidence, and there's others that, that don't. And I think that that just really underlines, there's a reason why we feel that way. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And now I kind of just want to open it up for you. Um, cause I know that you have so much to share around like anxiety, the brain ways to re like rewire the brain, rewire, recondition our experiences and like have a bigger impact through mental health and women and mothers, especially. So if you could just share, like, I know you have a membership coming up, um, your book, just drop everything here. And then I'll also put it in the show notes. Oh my God. I'd love to. Yeah. I could, as you can probably tell, speak to like mental health, anxiety, all this sort of stuff for hours and hours. Um, but I won't because nobody wants to listen to that, but you can absolutely plug into more spaces that I've created for this. So, um, my podcast, which just recently underwent a new branding and is now called the brave her podcast. Previously, it was the mind over motherhood podcast, and it is chock full of mental health strategies for anxiety, understanding boundaries and communication, right? Motherhood tips. And I have a lot of guests on there and I have a whole season that was just solo episodes where I'm just jamming out about everything that is really important in our mental health as women. So that's a beautiful free space for you to plug in and just binge listen. If that's something that you're down for. Um, I do have a book. It's called you are not your anxiety. It is an excellent book for anyone who is just tired of feeling like they're so anxious all the time and they don't know what to do about it. And so it breaks down that approach I shared of the annoy approach. And it actually gives you so much mindset stuff to shift how you think about your anxiety, because that's something that I didn't mention is like how you think about something changes how you manage it right? If you think about your anxiety as like this big, huge, awful thing that I'm, I'm controlled by and I can't do anything about it. And it's just unpredictable and terrible. Like it will be that way. And so really there's lots of juicy mindset shifts. You can find that on Amazon and on my website at carlycrew.com. And then if you're in the space where you do want to get some really actionable tools and skills, have access to a ton of content, um, to help you really maximize your mental health work in community with other women, I have the Unoya Collective, which is my annual year-long mental health membership. It is fully online. It is off of social media, which 
previous stories will understand will help you understand why that is. Um, and it's a really amazing forward focused, positive community of women all working on their mental health and like really taking an active approach and feeling really positive and supporting each other along the way. It's amazing. So we have like monthly mini courses in there and um, live calls with me and support calls and excellent guest coaches. Actually, Amber was in our Unoya Collective over the last couple of months and it was absolutely amazing, super popular guest expert, I meant to tell you. And so the doors are actually open. I only open the doors to Unoya Collective twice a year and they're currently open until the end of February and I and we're launching this podcast on the 18th. So if you're listening to it now, head on over to curlycrew.com and find the membership um, under the work with me tab and you can learn all about it and you can jump in. And I would be super, super duper honored to have any of you listeners involved inside. And then if you're further along in your journey, you're, like I said, quote unquote, graduated from mental health, which no one really ever does. But if you're feeling like mental health is not the primary focus in your life right now, you're feeling pretty good, but you are looking for a space to plug in for empowerment. You want to work on, you know, dive deep on things like perfectionism, people pleasing, communication, um, stepping into your personal power, working in, you know, building a business. I have the whole arm of Brave Her, which is a movement and a leadership coaching community that you can plug into. And um, right now I'm, I'm, I have the doors open to a program called Uncaged which is all about releasing perfectionism. And it's really amazing and juicy and I'm super excited. So everything you can find is on my website, curlycrew.com. I'm most active on Instagram at curlycrew. It's very simple. I would love to have you guys follow me on there and be a part of the conversation. Um, and that's everywhere you can find me. Oh my gosh, so many amazing places to plug in, Carly. Thank, thank you for having me as a guest on in your space and, and being a guest here and providing so much value. I, I really appreciate having you here today. Oh, it's and my absolute honor. And I'm so pleased to have been able to make this work. Yeah, I'm pleased to be able to make this work in the meeting where <laughs> Wi-Fi dropped, being that we're <laughs> living in places where Wi-Fi could drop all anytime. <laughs> Yeah, I, awesome. you know, my listeners are used, used to it. I'm, I'm sure yours are as well. It's like, okay, we live in Mexico, Costa Rica, like we're, you know, not getting the best Wi-Fi, and that's part of our work. I feel like our, our practice of anxiety and stress and worry is like, am I going to have this important call with my client and the internet drops? Am I going to record this podcast episode and like something happens? <laughs> Absolutely. I had to, rec- I had to try to record a podcast episode four times yesterday and I, we just ended up calling it. We're like, and we're going to do this another day, but today it's been actually really good Wi-Fi. So I'm really pleased. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Right, so- it's been my pleasure. Those of you listening, you know, this is the most important relationship you can grow is the one that you have with yourself, nourish it, give back to it. You deserve it. We'll see you on the next episode. And I want to thank you. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening to this podcast. It's an honor to know that people are listening and gaining value while generating their own insights. For more actionable tools and practices, head over to my Facebook group, www.facebook.com slash groups slash yoga for inner peace to learn more practices that you can put into your toolbox to reduce stress, build confidence, and create a community of other women who are like you wanting to better their lives to better their communities. Thank you again for being here. And if you're on social, 
post a photo of you listening to this and tag me, Amber Hackberg, so we can hang out online and continue growing this relationship, first from the inside and then from the outside. I'll see you on the next episode.